The following podcast is brought to you by the Tumbling Saber Powerful Friends community. Become a Powerful Friend today and get exclusive podcasts, early access podcasts, ad-free podcasts, monthly giveaways, and more. Visit patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. The Tumbling Saber team is proud to present Worthy of Recognition, a look at the names and faces that make Star Wars an unforgettable experience and an integral part of our lives. Hey everybody, welcome back to Worthy of Recognition for April 2019, and this month I am blessed by the presence of one of the founders of the wonderful Retro Inc. podcast, Adam Sheldon, how you doing, sir? I'm very well, mate. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for inviting me. It's it's, it's an absolute pleasure to get one of you on the podcast. It's it's a weird time for me. I'm I'm barely awake. (laughs) It's It's a Saturday uh, morning for me. It's it's a rarity, but I I think I can get used to this. Yeah, you're just a little bit bit behind us here in the UK. But um, that's all. It's all great. Good. So... Big times coming up here for us Star Wars fans. We got Celebration mm. right around the corner. Those lucky US people. Ah, no kidding, eh? Yeah. It's a well, big country, and, you know, Chicago uh, is probably a really good place to actually hold it. It's fairly central, if I remember. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, still a killer, killer trip for a lot. But, um, yeah. Uh, what do you think we're going to get there, mate? This this celebration what reveals do you think we're going to get uh i i think less than i originally thought and in saying that we're still going to get spoiled Mm -hmm. um episode nine of course it's all i think 2019 is all about episode nine which is this for sure which is my mantra now because i thought we'd be getting something from future filmmakers we usually get a future filmmaker panel it doesn't sound like we're getting that no certainly the last celebration in in uh, in the in london uh it was all about rogue one and uh I, you know i sat on that panel i remember i was with a friend who was, wasn't really interested it was fantastic we got that wind, wonderful poster and you know the hype was perfect because that film is perfect um and um this one you know what we're going to get we're going to get some stuff about i think probably the clone wars i would have thought yeah, Maybe sure. that's probably going to be there. I don't. I. I still. I don't think uh, the trailer is going to be um, shown. I just don't think it's going to happen for for Clone Wars. No, for for Episode Nine. I think they might hang out till May Fourth. Oh, they you think they're going? Oh my goodness! I would love to see the reaction in the room if JJ says, "All right, bye, bye, everybody." Yeah. <laughs> no trailer. Uh, nothing. Oh boy. But I, I think they'll they'll show they'll show something short. They'll show something sh- very short, very teasery. But it won't be a. Tra- I don't think it'd be a trailer as such. But you know, we, who knows? Well, yeah, exactly. Because JJ is such a wild card. You never truly know until they do he's it a right. Great so director. I've he, never been disappointed with anything he's done. Never, never, ever, ever. Yeah, he seems uh, to be that that uh, well, the, almost maybe the heaviest of Hollywood heavyweights right now. The if there yeah. was a 2019 version of Spielberg, I think it would be sure. Abrams. Yeah, in, term, I mean, the in Star, terms of of clout. the Star Trek film was exactly as I hoped it would be. If there was going to be a Star Wars, a Star Trek reboot, even his recent um, production um, 
Overlord, which was uh, sort of World War Two meet zombies, was just you know had that kind of uh, JJ look to it. You know, they, there's a little bit of the um, lens flare going on, but you know he's just the, he's he's the right person for this job. Absolutely, he's going to round it off perfectly. You know, he, he started the, this new Disney era in a in a stunning way, and I think it gave certainly original trilogy fans exactly what we wanted i love the reflection i think the reflection um and the mirroring is exactly what george wanted he wanted it every every movie to mirror in some way and form and it did exactly that as did last jedi it had reflection of empire in a huge degree so i i hope yeah i hope there's gonna be some reveals of that we've also got obviously um we've got the cassian Endor and or stuff which i know it's gonna excite a lot of people and i'm really looking forward to that i really am i think it's gonna be awesome more the, the, k2so who wouldn't want that oh that'd be fantastic um yeah the, the disney plus stuff is a real wild card because we just don't know we've never seen anything like it yeah exactly so yeah. what is this gonna look like how how are they gonna pace this out i'm super excited for that but we'll, i don't i don't even know what they'll tell us about the cassian series i hope they do I, you know what, I, I love going in blind to things. I, you know, I'm, tr- I'm trying not to um, think too much about or theorize too much about Episode Nine, or Mandalorian, or Cassian Door, or anything else. I just want to just see it as it happens and just be excited as I always am. There's nothing, you know. There's only one film that I that I that I like rather than love in the whole franchise, and that's Attack of the Clones. Otherwise, I love it all, man. It's all great. Yeah, and I don't understand why anybody hates on anything because it's all good. You know, it's not for us; it's for kids. People have to remember that it's for kids. We just have to appreciate it, and when I think we, you know, we appreciate it more when we're watching it with our children. I know Tim was saying the other day he was watching Phantom Menace with his from the nerd room was watching it with his kids, and he he got a new appreciation for it. When that's great, that's exactly what it's about. I think you, your your fandom changes when you have children when you're introducing it to them everything kind of changes and uh you know i'm i hope people at the celebration this year really really love it if it's their first one they're gonna just adore it they're gonna realize they're not alone in their fandom as well and that's the first thing that i kind of noticed i was like great you know then i went to the first one i think it was celebration six i think um i've been to three of them um you know, it was just like, great, I'm not the only Star Wars fan. And there were some dark times, as you probably remember, when sure. there was nothing. So when when that first celebration was on, there was probably 20,000 fans there. It was very quiet. But every there were everybody was there. You know, the cast was there. So if you can go to Celebration Chicago and, um, and uh, get in those queues and get those signatures and meet your heroes, good on you. Absolutely. Yeah. Unforgettable experiences. I, I remember I had, uh, back in 99, we had a Star Wars convention here in Montreal, not officially endorsed by Lucasfilm. Nevertheless, we had it. And it was on such a small scale when you compare it to Celebration. But it was absolutely mind-blowing. So I can only imagine what the people in Chicago and going back 20 years in Indianapolis, what those people have experienced. And I, one day I hope to join those ranks. One day I will get to one of these celebrations come hell or high one water. Day. One day. There's going to be you lots know, more of them. So we're blessed now with something called the internet. And of course we could just go on to stars.com and we can, we can watch the live stream and feel like we're there, which is great. You know, it's, it's in a way it has an advantage, right? Doesn't it? We see so everything you see. Cause my expectation is set. 
I'm, of course, I'm working Friday, so I'll be at work trying to carve out enough space. It's funny because I have a, a recurring meeting every Friday, which is right mm-hmm. in the middle of that episode nine panel every week. And I'm I'm, uh. like, I'm looking at this impending car collision of <laughs> this meeting that we always do and episode nine trail. I'm not missing it. I will take the day off work. Throw us the key. <laughs> if I have to. And that's just I, – I, it's only because I want to see the trailer – with everybody else i don't yeah of course you do i can i can wait the hour until the meeting's over and then go watch on youtube i don't want to do that i want to watch the damn thing with everybody sure absolutely yeah and and yeah yeah, i guess it is advantageous in one respect for those of us who don't get to go to celebration in that we just get to sit back in our easy chair and stream the panels there's no stress for us about am i going to get into this panel is that lineup too long can I meet that person at the, the autograph table? Oh no, but there's a some something's happening at the podcast stage. I don't have any of those troubles. Of course, honestly, I don't get the benefits, but I've my choice is already made, and it makes things simple for me. Yeah, honestly, the last the last celebration I went to, um, I pretty much did everything by myself because everybody wants to see something different, and you know, by yourself, you can get in that queue. You haven't got someone saying, "Oh, my legs are aching. I'm hungry. I need to go for a pee." You just do what you want to do and just get to see it. And if you don't see it, well, do you know what? You know, um, you can't see everything. You can't see yeah, everything. You've got to, you, you have to make your peace with that right away is that I'm not going to yeah. see everything. I'm not going to meet everybody. I don't have enough money. You can't always <laughs> join that Hasbro, that Hasbro queue either and get that exclusive black series either. It doesn't always work that way either. And there's a lot of disappointed people. You know, and um, that's just the way it rolls. You can't see and do everything when you can't buy everything either. Um, you never have enough money at these things. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I can. I can absolutely attest to that too. I can tell you that. Yeah. And well, it's funny because it'd be funny to listen to this podcast in retrospect because this will drop post celebration. So people listening will say, "What were these two on about?" Or they'll say, "Yeah, look at that." Yeah. Hopefully they they were really happy with what they got at celebration. Which sure. I'm sure we will be. The thing you want to make sure you have is plenty of water. You might want to take some rest stops and have comfy shoes. You know, arch support. Get some art. Get go buy some Doctor Scholl's arch support. Good to go. When you're going to be standing all day walking around. Yeah, is Michelle is Michelle going now? Is she? I know she's got a. She said she's got a three day pass. Is she? Is she going? I don't think she fully knows yet. I know she's traveling and she'll be back in the U.S. by that point. Who else do you know is going? Is Rob Rob Cast is going? Rob Cast is going. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe Steve from San Diego Sabres is going. Cody's going. Um, boy, oh boy, I don't want to leave anybody out. But we've got we've got some. I, I think Tim is going. He, cool. I, I, I believe he plans to. I know there's the, he's he's expecting a daughter any minute now. Yeah. So that that's another head-on collision waiting to happen. Yeah. So we'll have a fair few folks from the Commonwealth over at at Celebration Chicago, which which will be really great connections too that you can just quickly pm them and say you wouldn't mind picking this up would you <laughs> well, yeah since that gets put out there uh yeah rick is going of course Night yeah. of the commonwealth he'll be there he's in he's he's from chicago ah cool so this is in his backyard imagine how that must yeah. feel yeah awesome awesome just nip back home have a cup of tea go back again you know that's the way to do it that's nice and easy all yeah, right, let's let's look at uh, your Mount Rushmore. I know Mount Rushmore is not a thing in the UK, but we get the idea. This we're looking to look at your the top four people in your life who have shaped your Star Wars experience. I love these stories. 
but first, give it give us the brief origin story for you with Star Wars. Well, I was born in 1970, so I was 77 when uh, Star Wars came out. So I was born in Essex, East London, and I was always, as a child, really obsessed with cinema. Age from four with Disney movies, Dumbo, Snow White, and being dropped off whilst my mum went shopping on a Saturday morning um, because we had something called Saturday morning cinema. So you you know you drop your children off that were safe in the in the in the cinema and they could go off shopping and pick you up at one o'clock. Um, and whilst we were there, we'd watch Flash Gordon, Popeye, Tom and Jerry, Looney Tunes, that kind of stuff. And you get trailers for movies suitable for children. And that's when in 1977, seven years old this trailer flashed up and it was stunning. And you, I came out and I said to my parents, you know, I, I've got to see this film. It's called star Wars. It was really easy to remember because it was just two words, star Wars. And then the hype started happening. It was everywhere. This hype, especially coming from the States on the news. And then there was advertisements in things like um, Marvel Weekly, Star Wars Weekly. Stan Lee picked it up um, and started to produce the stories in comic book form. This is before the, the film even hit the UK. So we had the novelization by George Lucas and the inside that novelization you got the you got these little pictures on the inside yep it came in white cover and yellow cover for junior novels um yeah i've got i've got mine here yeah mine's down here <laughs> well, and, uh, you know and i read the back cover luke skywalker challenged the stormtroopers of a distant galaxy on a daring mission where force of life became the power of death and I was like, whoa, this looks great. And and then you looked at these pictures and and it was just mind-boggling. Never seen anything like it. Then the toy advertisements were coming, not just in the comics, but on TV, the catalogs. And in the summer of 1977, um, this is when my it was my seventh birthday. Um you know, there were these advertisements for these for these first four figures, what we know known as the early bird set. And um, my father was in imports and exports and had connections. And so he said, you know, for Christmas, you can I'll get you some of the Star Wars figures. So I was very lucky to get those figures on Christmas of 1977, 78. Um, as the UK release date approached, so the anticipation rose and the UK release of the film's adaptation was published, I think, on September of 1977. And via Marvel Comics, as I say, the adverts were preparing this arrival of this epic film, which eventually hit, you know, um, hit us. And um, it was on everywhere. There was... You know, we had the the actors of coming on to talk shows like BBC's lunchtime magazine program Pebble Mill. There was this droid R two D two and Anthony Daniels with C three PO, and it was the hype was building up, and building up, and building up. And then when Star Wars finally arrived, um, there was movies at the cinema such as like giant spider invasion dark star demon seed future world and godzilla versus the cosmic monster <laughs> sounds riveting yeah and there was this movie star wars and um it premiered in the uk on the 27th of december 1977 opening at leicester square theater and my 
dad took me and in the we had to queue up and there was people literally going on the queue offering to buy your ticket which was two pounds 60 which is a probably what three dollars for 30 pounds so 30 or 40 bucks they were offering like touts ticket touts yeah i mean that doesn't happen now and also what happened was that the cinema would just have the reel of film the role of film so it was shown in that cinema and then after a week it went to another cinema uh, which was the dominion in Tottenham court road which is where i saw it for the second time and within a day or two you know that it, the queues were still massive absolutely massive i mean you've seen the 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 the, the footage of the Chinese theatre in Hollywood and how many people were queuing. Sure. It was like that for these two cinemas in London. By about a month, that roll of film had gone to another cinema in North London and maybe the other one had gone to the South London. So it took months and months and months and months for the for Star Wars to start spreading across the home counties of Surrey, Kent, Sussex, and then start going to the Midlands and then up north of the UK. It took a long time. That doesn't happen now. It just hits cinemas and bang, that's it. Didn't anybody think to send a second reel? Well, you know, <laughs> I guess that's I, the way, I, I guess that's that was the way, the way it was, right? You know, that's just the way that things were back then. It was just very, very different, you know, and, um, so, um, that Christmas of, um, 1978 when was when the, the toys started hitting and um you know the hype of star wars was everywhere it was the news the school playground newspapers everywhere it was absolutely incredible and um now the toy shops are starting to really fill up with pegs and pegs and pegs of figures which the likes of which we've never seen before if you've seen any vintage figures uh uh photographs of toys sure. shops back then this is this is one of the Big draws of the Retro Ink group on Facebook. You yeah. guys are all you're posting adverts from the 70s and 80s of Star Wars toys, and I my mind melts every time I see one. You can't believe the um, the, the stock that was there, and um, you know that Christmas I got Luke's Land Speeder, I got the Cantina playset, Vader's Tie Fighter, Dubac, Luke's X Wing. And the ultimate Christmas present, which is the Millennium Falcon, and you'd set it all up, you know, on sand, on tan-coloured sheets for for Tatooine, and you know, and you've got lots of sand people and Jawas. You could never have enough stormtroopers. You could never have enough Jawas and sand people. So you were buying multiples, and they were ninety-nine p, so which would be I don't know seventy-nine cents. Oh, they were nothing. They they were. I mean, they, yeah, I, I, our, our parents probably didn't think so, but looking back it's like wow yeah these, these things cost nothing you you know you would you would make bases in your garden you'd use the carpet for you know that might be brown for <laughs> for a tattooing you'd set your proper playing you which you just don't see children do anymore well it, I, um, I love that we recognize that now because now there's there's no wait right you've got home video so you can watch the movie whenever you want there's barely any delay in terms of what's next so when you know, when we were kids, you waited those three years. Yeah. And if and there was no VHS at the time or very, very rare. So if you wanted to relive Star Wars, you better hope it's still in the cinema and you can go see it. Or you took your toys and you relived it yourself. That was yeah. it. That's the way you did it. Wherever I went, my pockets were, f I carried figures, you know. I, albeit I'd leave the guns behind so I didn't lose them until I got the Darth Vader carry case. Um, 
two or three years, the figures were collected and always keeping the car backs, uh, the boxes and ships and vehicles, which, you know, to this day, you know, behind me, I've got some of my, some of my vintage stuff there. Um, the rest of it's in the hallway because I'm redecorating. But, um, you know, I just, I didn't throw anything away. Didn't throw anything so, away. Every kid I knew had Star Wars toys. And I mean, every one of them. Are you um, telling before, me that the, the toys I see behind you right now, are you telling me that those are the boxes that you owned as a child? Yeah. Holy, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, all, all, I've got a mini rig stack here. Um, I, yeah, I've got everything. Yeah. I, I you know, just our place set. Um, cause that's, everything. that's incredible. It's, it's one thing to say I yeah. had this as a kid, I lost yeah. it and now I've reacquired never, it. Never went. No, never went. So, um, yeah. Uh, and the same with the figures. Um, you know, I opened everything. Um, and then once I, st- a little bit later on, I started to rebuy stuff. Um, when I was probably about 13 or 14 because they were just so cheap and I, and I couldn't be bothered to open them at 13 or 14. So I just used to kept them, kept them on the card backs, which as we know now are oh. pretty valuable. Oh, so, man. But before Star Wars, there had never been anything successful in toy line. I mean, you know, there was, there was Batman corky vehicles. There was a $6 million man. There was some Star Trek. There was the enterprise. There was nothing really like it. So, there was nothing in three and three quarter inch ever produced as if you've known, if you've watched multiple documentaries on star Wars toys and collecting, you'd know there was nothing like that. But what my bro- dad brought home one weekend was a VHS copy of star Wars, albeit recorded from the cinema. So obviously it was a cam, you know, sure. cam recording. And that, that I don't care how bad it was, the recording. I just would watch it over and over again. And do you remember little portable cassette players used to have, you know, it was a very slim thing. You know, you had your your buttons on the front, you eject button, put cassette in, and you just record. And I recorded the soundtrack so that whilst I was playing with my figures, you know, I I had the soundtrack playing. I had Luke and Leia and Chewie making noises. And of course, you know, it had 45 minutes on one side of the cassette. You had to flip it over and call the other. Um, so I had two cassettes with the whole film on and I had them in my, in my headphones. Um, we, we play at the car, you know, I, it was just, I was obsessed, absolutely obsessed. Um, and before the Empire Strikes Back was released, you know, the first batch of figures and vehicles that hit the shops, you know, you had the novelizations, you had the Star Wars Weekly comic, which was out in, in the, the news agents for like 10 pence. Um, you just, you read them front to back, back to front, front to back, back to front. You know, it was just an obsession. And so, you know, um, it, 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 it was just, um, a phenomenal, it was a phenomenon. There was nothing ever, ever been like it ever before, which is why it is my all time favorite film. Nothing can top it. And I know I, in your, in the podcast you were doing a little while ago, have we seen the best Star Wars film ever? Or your, yeah, yeah your favorite. Have you seen the fa- your favorite Star Wars movie of all uh, that you'll ever see? Yeah, yeah. I was I was going. Yeah, I have. Yeah, of course I have. I absolutely have. It's a New Hope. It's the best Star Wars film there'll ever be. And I don't care what anybody says. It just is. Well, you have a particular fixation with this movie, right? Like you have seen this movie an ungodly amount of times, and you're you've got like a tr- you're you're keeping track. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. You know, it it was watched 
on video as a copy until it became available at the video rental shop. And it was extremely expensive to buy the video rental. I think it was about a hundred pounds, which, you know, back there was a lot of money. Um, and I, you know, I was desperate to want it. So, you know, good old dad, uh, bought it. And so and then I had the official release with a load of trailers before it started. Um, so, you know, that was on, um, before school and I was I was a very light sleeper as a kid very very light sleeper so I would go downstairs at say two or three o'clock in the morning and put the put the video cassette in the player which would shake the whole house because VHS cassette <laughs> players were very noisy and I would watch it before school I would come home from school and watch it and it would just be on constantly constantly I mean there wasn't a, a character in the cantina I didn't know the name of and would be obsessed with making a map where Moss Eisley was in relation to Aunt Beru's hut, you know, where relation to you'd map it all out, you know? Um, and I've now, I think I'm now in the sort of 1300 mark. So I've seen a new hope 1300 times. I mean, I can't remember how, how many times I'd watched it back then, but I had a bet with a friend that I couldn't watch it every day for a year. And I said, oh, that's no problem. I'll watch it twice a day for a year. <laughs> You've already lost. Point. You've already lost. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know what, Adam, this, we are separated by a few years and an entire ocean, but so much of this rings so familiar and I'm yeah. sure yeah, with other um, people as well. Like, it was, it, yeah, it was know, an absolute fixation from such George, a young age. George aimed this at a seven-year-old child. And, you know, I was the perfect age then, as I was in 1980, to watch Empire Strikes Back. And um, Empire was, I would say, for those that that are, um, let's say, finding The Last Jedi difficult, it was the same reaction, the same film. Where has Where has my Star Wars gone? Why does Luke look different? Why is this happening? There were all these questions as a 10-year-old boy. Why was this going on? <laughs> it's funny because I was actually reading. Why Why did Luke's, why did Star Vader's head come off and Luke's face was inside? What no, are they doing? So, yeah, this is not fun, swashbuckling adventure. This is, this is crazy. Happened. Yeah. But now, was of course, just... we, we know we look back at Empire and go, we, we yeah. bow down to Empire. Yeah. It's funny, I, just last night, I, had, I was having trouble getting to sleep, and so I was flipping through, and I, I got into a, a little thread and fell down a rabbit hole of reading uh, some reactions from 1980 about Empire Strikes Back. What good and, were they? Oh, they, it, was, it's, it was so funny. It's pure comedic value at this point, because you just substitute the movies now. What I found was tricky was... The follow-up to uh, George Lucas's Star Wars was Alan Dean Foster's Splinter of the Mind's Eye, The Further Adventures of Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yep. And, of course, after reading that, I was like, this isn't Empire Strikes Back. It was getting confusing now because I was thinking that the books were before each film. And, of course, they weren't. So it was even more confusing what the hell's going on. I remember uh, reading that book as well and – by the time I read it, of course, it was it was the mid '90s, and I remember reading this and going, "What is this? Like, this is brutal." This is, and then yeah. we come to learn that George did not have before Empire came to be. That was the intended sequel, 
And it's just, thank goodness things have played out the way it has, because that was... Neither you or I knew who Joseph Campbell was. At the time, no. So our understanding of the mindset of a man writing stories of myth and legends and having esoteric kind of uh, an essence running through his films that's for children but for adults to see something bigger you only get when either you're an adult or you have children when something inside you questions what the force is and that was essentially what you know we didn't understand as a 10 year old child or however old you were watching empire what that was all about really it was just about moving rocks and <laughs> and uh, using a lightsaber. Um, I I was lucky enough to know a quite a well known British actor um, who's in a in a, a British soap back then, and he took me to go and see it. And uh, you know, we came out of there, and he was like, "Did you enjoy it?" I was like, "Yeah, I was speechless." And the only time I've been speechless after coming out of a film was The Last Jedi because I really was speechless about it i didn't i didn't know how to process it. it 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 was just it left me with this wonderful kind of um sense of i don't know almost an ethereal feel it was a very odd emotion but as as a kid you know back in 1980 it was all about the toys again it wasn't about you know i am your father and the cliffhanger ending it was all about I want for Christmas an Atta and I want an Imperial attack base and a Dagobah playset and a Hoth turret and Probot <laughs> set. I want a Slave 1 and a Snowspeeder and Mini Rigs, Cloud City Car and all those Empire Strikes Back figures. And who's this guy who's dressed in grey with a green chest plate and, and, and called Boba Fett? Who is this? Because yeah. he, was the 20, he was the 20th figure. He was elusive. He was mysterious. He, he didn't look like Ponder Barber or Walrus Man, if you know, and he didn't look like Hammerhead. He was who is this guy and so you were absolutely um desperate to see who this guy was and then you just see him for like a split second on on the the you know in front of vader and and he's a no disintegrations this time and you think well what's hero talking about no disintegrations this time yeah it's like that that whole world building thing that just got your mind racing and at that point i thought ah he's the guy who killed baru and owen Yes. So at 10 years old, I was thinking, well, stormtroopers, they don't have flamethrowers. They're not. We know they're not a great shot. And Obi-Wan was definitely wrong in saying these are too accurate to be, you know, sand people. And I was thinking, well, no, they're not. They're terrible shots. (laughs) (laughs) It must be that guy. It's funny because that theory now is something that a lot of people are running with that that. Boba Fett was with stormtroopers looking for the droids and he tracked them to the Baru doing his job. And he, he's the guy that, that birthed them to a crisp. It's, it's, it's hilarious that it's, it's come to this. Look at the empire empire. He's hanging out with the trash. Absolutely. He's hanging out with the trash. He's waiting. He's already predicted that, you know, the Falcons there and he's going to follow them. And, you know, so I think the theory is pretty damn good, to be honest. And as the one as well, I think I've probably mentioned, I think I mentioned it on the round table with Rob Cast that um, uh, one of the, I can't remember his name now, uh, the Admiral or um, officer on board and said, um, you know, uh, Hoth is not the place to go. And 
no, there's no rebel base there. And he's trying to put Vader off. And then, of course, they came out of hyperspace too quick and the guy got choked. And I was like, he's a rebel spy. <laughs> that's another one that's coming up, right? Yeah, of course. So all of that stuff was happening back then. Um, and I, I basically was collecting Star Wars figures uh, right up till 1983-84. And, of course, at that age, um, you know, you're 13, 14 years old. You've just watched Turn of the Jedi. It's over. And you just wanted to get all the figures and complete all the play sets and get all the all the vintage figures and, and vehicles and stuff. And that was it. That was it. You're done. That's it. No more Star Wars. I, did, I didn't know. There wasn't no EU book, you know, expanded universe books at that point. There uh, was just, you know, things like Han Solo's Revenge and Cup. The Marvel, there was the Marvel comics. Marvel comics, of course. Um, but by about 14, you know, you're getting interested in other bits and pieces. But um, I had everything and I stored everything and I had everything on my shelves and I was just still the Star Wars kid. It's amazing to me that you had the vision or the foresight or whatever you call it, the discipline to say, I'm done with this part of my life for now. I still love it. I think Didn't most appear. kids. Didn't go anywhere. Yeah. I think most kids, or maybe spurred on by their parents, would have said, "It's. I think it's time to get rid of this stuff. And the kid would have went, yeah, yeah, you're probably right, mom. Put it out for a garage sale. But it, you, you you, were like, no, no, I'm just, we're going to box this up because yeah. I'm going to need this again someday. And it's, it's yeah. I, I. It, one in a million would have have done that, I think. Well, I was when then waiting for Return of the Jedi to come out on VHS. You know that this was the thing; it was just watching those three films back to back. That was it; the whole thing just rotating them back to back. It wasn't really. I think, I suppose, um, about nineteen eighty eight, nineteen eighty eight. I was really obsessed with Star Wars. I was obsessed with Prince. I'd started DJing. I was hairdressing in London at Vidal Sassoon's and Tony and Guy in the heart of London, the West End. And certainly by, I would say, that point, you know, these toys were cheap. I mean, they were really cheap. They The shops wanted to get rid of any stock they had. There was bargain bins. You know, and this last 17, these last 17 figures that are the, the most expensive of the vintage line, you know, they were... You know, one uh, they were a dollar. They were a they were one pound fifty. That's that is my only memory of of vintage collecting was from Crazy. the Return of the Jedi era, and you know from that eighty three to I would say eighty six eighty seven, when Star Wars was done, but stores still had so much stock that by the end of it, they just, it was just like put it in the bin. Let's blow these things out for a dollar per figure, and so I still have memories of bins full of Gamorrean guards and Emperor Palpatines and, and Royal guards and all those figures from, from return of the Jedi that, and I just remember seeing them in a, just in a big steel bin or up on the pegs with liquidation stickers on them. And as I remember just, I had the ones I needed, but I, that was it. Like you would just walk by after that and boy, oh boy. I mean, as an 18, 19, 20 year old, you know, my money was going on other things. Sure. It wasn't getting on toys. But by the mid 90s, I was popping into toy conventions that I was seeing and sci fi conventions that I was seeing around where Dave Prowse and Andy Daniels and Kenny Baker were sitting there on their little table getting autographs and there's nobody queuing for them. Nobody's interested. Um, and most of the British cast would attend uh, with sort of 10 pounds. $10 signatures and there were mint on card figures for 
10 quid, um, five pounds, you know, just, wow, my figure's worth five pounds now. Look at that. Like, yeah, great. But you, I just thought, oh, I'll get another one of those. And you just kept picking them up. You know, in this country, we would say they were cheap as chips. That's exactly what they were. You know, loose fig- vehicles and figures were cheap as chips. You could just pick them up. No problem at all. So I started to I started to look at my collection and see what things I was missing and then picking those things up and sometimes getting better versions or, um, you know, cleaner versions. I mean, the stickers on an R5-D4 got a bit grubby. And your R2 got a bit grubby because that sticker just collected fingerprints. So, you know, you just get a nice new one. I just stored everything in my mother's loft in the garage. But by now that loft was pretty full. And with both my toys from my childhood and then these extra things, it just was getting a bit out of control. I lived with a friend for a few years. And um, this is where that bet happened where, you know, I bet you can't watch it for a year and stuff like that. And he would come and knocking on my flat and he would say, you know, what are you up to? And I was like, Oh, you know, what do you think? I was watching star Wars, you know, it's just, <laughs> what, what did you expect? Yeah, it was, it was, there was really nothing else that really grabbed my attention as, as much as that, even though blade runner had been released and alien had been released and aliens, of course, um, I was a sci-fi nut and I'd also read a lot of 2000 AD and was pretty into a guy called judge dread so you know although there was other things that were kind of skimming my attention it was the core of it was that and and by this point too i'd gone to enough conventions to go hi dave or hi kenny how are you and they go hello nice to see you again and you've got you got to know them because (laughs) because the fan base was there was it was those dark times it was those dead times you know and you got to know them and by i would say probably 2006 was when uh, the first celebration europe to commemorate the 30th anniversary was at earl's court in london but due to demand for tickets the venue had to be changed to the xl center in london which could hold 30,000 at the time so there's 30,000 at that one and that's when uh, that's when I th- uh, I met majority of the car- you know main cast members and and you could you know you could just stand and chat with Mark Hamill and for ages you know it wasn't wasn't a big deal um, and uh, 2013 was Star Wars Celebration which was in Essen Germany that was the first time I met Carrie um, and the, Mark the, f- the first time yeah there there are others there was another time I don't <laughs> um and um yeah and again you know anybody else i hadn't met before was was at those as well as lots of little comic cons around the country um smaller ones and so you could just pick the signatures up and by this time now i had the full original cast as well as peter cushing and alec guinness and um again majority of the cast members from empire as well and uh yeah, and you know Warwick was there, so you could go and chat with Warwick Davis, and I met other Ewoks. Um, but really, for that point now, I was really self-indulging, but buying for my son as well, in the hope that he'd grow up a fanatic like myself. But unfortunately, that didn't quite go to plan. Um, but you know, I discovered then as well that there were these high-end collectibles, things like you know master replica helmets and lightsabers and gentle giant statues and busts and sideshow. And I was after props and anything from the films, you know, I could get my hands on. 
Um, and uh, yeah, and again, you know, the prices have just skyrocketed in terms of those sort of things. But at the time, you know, you think, oh, $150 for a replica um, DL44, I'll get one. Now you look there, $450, $500 plus, you know. So, Astronomical yeah. prices. Yeah, the price have just gone crazy. Uh, 2014, I met Carrie again, um, and uh, I sat next to her after her asking me to sit next to her, which was quite nice. What? Um, yeah. So she was signing autographs. And I said, okay, we're, we're done here. That's it. So, <laughs> Close it up. <laughs> she was signing some autographs <laughs> and stuff, and I said, oh, hi, Carrie, how are you? And I see you again, and I uh, said, oh, how's, how's life, and blah, blah, blah. And she said, oh, come and sit with me. So I sat next to her for a bit and there's people, and then the, you know, she's always had an assistant. These got these people always have someone next to her to make sure she's not harassed and stuff. And she's like, Oh, you know, let, let this guy Adam sit next, you know, sit there. And so I'm like sitting next to Carrie and, and, um, she signed these autographs and stuff. And she said, and she said goodbye to this person who was having their autograph done. And she said, can I have your number? <laughs> can I call you later? And I said, of course. And I just thought she was joking and I laughed. And then there's my mate who's standing next to me. He was standing at the end of the table and he was kind of like shocked. Like, oh my God, he's just been asked for his phone number and Carrie wants to call him later. And I just sort of sat there with her for a bit. And then I said, okay, darling, lovely to see you. I gave her a big kiss and said, see you later. And then I walked off and he went, you didn't give her a number. Yeah, a number. And I was like, oh, she's only joking. He said, no, I don't think she was. <laughs> I think she wanted <laughs> a liaison later in the hotel. So, oh no yeah, yeah. that's yeah, amazing a bit special that yeah it's a bit special yeah so you never know you, you never know my goodness you, you hear never... that people you never know take that chance don't for, like, always give your phone number to I anybody was, i was with somebody at the time you know <laughs> well, well, well that, let's be fair we're talking about so, carrie fisher you know i didn't expect her to say what are you doing later and you know can i have your number so there we go anyway um <laughs> there we are <coughs> so yeah the only person that i i really desperately wanted to meet uh was harrison and there was i'm very lucky in my job as a hairdresser that i'm you know where, where i'm based i get to meet a lot of people in in music and tv and film and i knew someone who was working on the force awakens and was working at pinewood and i said look could you if i give you these um eight by ten photographs is there any chance you could get these signed? So I gave him one that Mark and Carrie had signed. It was one from the New Hope, black and white. It was Luke, Leia in the middle, and 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 Han. And I and I also gave him as well just a picture of of Harrison dressed as Han. And I said, "Can you can you see what you can do?" You know. So I get this kind of, I think it was a FaceTime call, and and he said, "Hey, I'm I'm there." look at this and there's this parking space at pinewood reserved just for harrison and i was like really that is parking space yeah they make this parking space for him and he said look i'm gonna meet him in like five minutes do you want it dedicated at all and i was like no just get him to write harrison ford so okay i didn't meet him but there was a feist time camera and he was filming him you know uh get me these autographs so that's the only person i think from the original trilogy that i hadn't met but you know it was a facetime call it kind of helped but he did he said hey look i'm you know i'm getting these autographs from my friend here and he's just like gave a little waves and hi and that was it that's that's that is still so, incredible yeah, it was, something that 0.01 percent of fans can probably share in 
Like you, you were in rarefied he territory. <laughs> he doesn't sign very much, does he? At no. All? He doesn't at all. Well, when but, I, I went to uh, Montreal Comic Con a couple years ago and I met Billy D. Williams. And of course, he's got autographed 8x10s at his table, which mm-hmm. $80, $60, $100, depending on the shot. Now, he's got also ones with him and Harrison Ford, both signed. If you want one of those, now you're talking $500. Which which speaks to the value of a, of a Harrison Ford signature and 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 speaks to again how how rarely he actually signs things. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, crazy money for that stuff now. And I know um, Felicity Jones, you know her her price at the last uh, celebration was really high. You know, really high for an autograph with her. So, you know, if you've got the money and you've got the time to stand in a queue and, and meet these people, then good on you, you know, good on you. But, um, yeah, you know, you can sometimes be in the right place at the right time. I've been to a lot of premieres in my time too, just sort of, you know, in Leicester Square. There would be somebody that you know was in um, involved in Star Wars in some way, so you'd take something with you and hopefully you, you know you're shouting hey you know can you come and sign this for me um and hayden as well christensen i got him to sign a few things and uh, samuel jackson who's you know he's in so many movies he was easy to get his autograph um and he loves star wars i mean he loves it you know sure. loves it so you know if he saw anything star wars he'd come over and do it um now skipping to about 2015 um podcasts podcasts were like this new i suppose 2013 2014 podcasts were this new kind of thing and um you know you're searching around trying to find some things and you think oh there's any star wars ones and in 2015 i heard tsw episode three and i subscribed straight away and you know i don't know what the listening figures were like for tsw back then but um i got to know through listening regularly because mark was doing these daily pods as well as um the the podcast like you know i was like okay no i listen to, you know people are saying what, what do you listen to music wise well, i don't listen to music right now i'm listening to this podcast it's called talk star wars and like you would do and there's this guy <laughs> jeremy and there's mark and there's this guy steve and stuff and you know i i just kind of like i this is this is something that i really like you know um and i i subscribed to a few sort of marvel and dc ones as well because obviously i was really into that but i looked at these other commonwealth podcasts and before i knew it i wasn't listening to marvel or dc anymore i was listening to just commonwealth podcasts they took the place and i really felt like i was amongst friends we chatted via messenger because i would see these posts i'm thinking oh you know i like what he's saying maybe i'll message that guy and suddenly my steps into a larger world happened. And I really knew that I was amongst proper friends because I made so many good friends. And um, two of those were Mr. Smith and Mr. Rowling, Jeremy and Andy. And Andy contacted me after probably a couple of years. Um, so maybe like 2017 and said, hey, you know, do you fancy starting a podcast? And, um, you know, let's let's keep it like 25% star Wars and then 20 and the rest of it retro goodness, toys, TV, movies, consoles, computers, gaming, everything else that we're into, as well as streaming. I mean, we called it retro ink because it's, 
retroincorporate. We're retrospectively looking back and we're incorporating everything that we looked at yesterday and yesteryear. And the wonderful thing is that both Jeremy and Andy are big Star Wars fans. And, um, you know, again, through the Commonwealth, started to meet other people that were collectors. And and I, I think, you know, I can't really put all you guys on my Mount Rushmore, but you would be on it. Both yourself, Kyle, Corey and Carlos, as well as Rob Cast and Mark G and Rob Wade and Andy and Jeremy. And there's just, oh, the list. I, I don't even want to miss anybody out. No, it's the, it's yeah, it's just, it's the community as a whole. Too many people. Yeah, just, it, it's, and, a, it's an amazing community. You know, we've all got opinions, which is marvelous because it would be very dull and boring if we liked everything. But I do love everything Star Wars. There is, you know, there's nothing really that, um, you know, that they can throw at me from from the Star Wars point of view that uh, I'm not going to love, to be honest. I think the, the thing that's become really tricky as a Star Wars toy collector, especially when it comes to Black Series, is these exclusives. These, very, these exclusives um, are very, very bad because obviously they're going to be Walmart exclusives. and We don't have a Walmart. And now we don't have any Toys R Us in this country. You have to buy online, and it's making it more increasingly difficult to get the majority of these Black Series because you've got scalpers' prices, and this is where my love for the Black Series has gone. So through through the Commonwealth, you know, you, we've got people all over the all over the planet, pretty much, and you know, it's 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 quite easy to say, hey, can I just transfer you like you know twenty five dollars? Could you pick up? Dengar for me or could you pick up uh Gamorian guard which is a very tricky figure to get here um and that that's why here. this commonwealth and is just brilliant because you know we've got everyone's back which is just wonderful even though i still predominantly collect vintage i have a cabinet full of figures and everything else you know these new some of these new figures are so beautifully made and and you know i, I i'm now I got to a point where I think I got up to, I think Tarkin and the, and the droid. And I just thought I'm going to get the, I'm going to get Lando, um, skiff guard and I'm going to get Dengar and Zuckers and, um, Forlom and call it a day. I because I've got the, I've got the exclusives like, um, the Jabba's throne room and the Boba Fett with Han and Carbonite, which is a San Diego Comic-Con exclusives. And I thought I'm done now. It's getting too difficult to collect these. It's far too difficult. It's, and, it's um, tough. It's not, you know, it wasn't the money. It's just really hard to find them. So I'll leave that to you young guys to, to carry on with that. Um, <laughs> I have, well, you know what? We talk about this a lot. We, we kind of share this uh, talking point with the nerd room on our show is the idea of focusing. I'm too broad and undisciplined when it comes to collecting, but in my head, I know that I need to reel it in. I need to focus on certain areas or characters or, or lines and just stick with that because it, 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 it is it gets way to a, too much. It gets to a point. There's no I think way. With, with, uh, the, if you look at the word fanatic, right? And the short word for that is fan. You become fanatical if, if you have an obsessive, character or nature and you just look for anything that's got star wars written on it and you buy everything that's got star wars on it and then you realize it's just tut it's tack it's it's not needed you don't want it and why am i buying everything so i think that was really around the time of phantom menace 
when we were bombarded with merchandise and i bought such a lot of stuff for that um which you know is just worth pennies um so i think that kind of focus was pretty much around sort of 2000 and whatever that was 2001 2003 2005 for revenge of the sith that kind of killed it and i found it difficult with force awakens to sort of find anything to buy and the same with rogue one the, the toys weren't really appealing to me so I just thought I'll, I'll continue with this with this black series until I've got those figures that um, I'm happy with and I'm done. So that's pretty much it. Now I just collect predominantly um, old VHSs, all formats of those as well. Uh, US, you know, NTSC ones. Um, I love VHS cassettes, love them. Um, got a fair whack of those. Um, I love still books and I love buying digital stuff and comics still. So I'm still picking up, you know, lots of bits and pieces, but, um, but pretty much I think the buying has slowed down and that, that has really been very evident. I think as, as a collector seeing the demise of toy shops, and just generally space i mean who has the space to put all this stuff in you know that's absolutely true i've been struggling with that for yeah for years now yeah. decades that you know 20 years i've been trying to figure out what to do i keep buying stuff and i keep putting it directly into my closet because i have nowhere to put if it if you can't display it, it then you're hoarding and that's that's where you've got to know the difference <laughs> um yeah. It is a thing I'm working on. I've got my, I've got a mess behind me here. I'm dismantling my collection. I'm trying to find ways to get things out and and displayed. And you know, I'm saying that things that I don't want to necessarily display, maybe I should yeah, just let my kids absolutely. have it to if, play with. You know what? If it's if it's not valuable, let your kids have it. You know, for sure. Or or put them on display and just say that you know, this piece? cabinet. The way I have it now is the, the mm -hmm. stuff I have out now. I, I just tell them you don't touch it. If you want to play with some Star Wars toys, you go in the closet and you take from that box. If you, but don't touch anything there because there I have my exclusives. I have some vintage. I've got uh, some of the the ongoing vintage collection stuff. So please leave that stuff alone. These things, yeah, you can do what you exactly. Want with. I I've been you know I've been pretty um pretty pleased with uh, what Lego have been producing. I love the UCS sets. I've got a fair few of those. They are very much display pieces, um, and they're gorgeous looking. I love my slave one. Love that. Absolutely love that. Oh, you're you're um, killing Carlos now, and and Mr. Salvatore. They're both they're both. I love salivating. those. Um, yeah, so I've bought a fair few of those UCS sets. <laughs> uh, quite a few I've I've not made. So they'll be for another date when um I've got more time. But more importantly, I've got bigger space to display those gorgeous things. But the rest of them, you know, let's face it, toys are for kids. They're not for adults, so they're meant to be played with. And and again, you know, toys are meant to be opened and not boxed. But of course, forty-year-old toys—you don't really want to be playing with those, especially if they're all lovely. Um, but um, yeah. Well, I, I've yeah. got an interesting question for you. Then, what do you think will happen? Like, what do you think will happen with you personally once we we leave the Skywalkers behind? You know, coming up here in, in the next eight months or so. And we move into a new era with Ryan Johnson and with Benioff and Weiss. We're going to get, again, onslaughted with, with merchandise from all corners. 
Do you think you'll be buying that or are you going to be content to just say, I'm done with with toys. I'm going to stick with the Skywalker saga for collecting and this new stuff I'm going to leave to the, to another generation. Yes, I think so. I mean, I'm 49 years old. Should I really be buying lots of toys? That is one question that goes to my head a lot. I think the real problem that we've got now is we don't have the distribution like we used to have. Palatoy in the States, we had, uh, sorry, Palatoy in the UK, we had Kenner in the States, uh, and we had all of these companies that were distributing toys. Now we just have Hasbro, and the distribution is appalling. It is very, very difficult these days to find a toy shop, as we've said, and to to get hold of these things. So I, I do sincerely hope that that children do pick up these things and, and adults can pick up these things. I personally will um, be looking at maybe um, getting the odd vehicle. If something kind of looks really cool, um, I might pick those things up. But I, I think I'm going to be pretty sensible. Um, there's a, there are lots of things, I think, as, a, as a, a guy, especially of my age, where you think I wouldn't mind getting some of those toys that I had as a child um, and picking those up like Buck Rogers Starfighter or the Eagle from Space 1999 toys, things like that. And they're really expensive and they're, they're gorgeous collectibles. So I should be probably looking at more collectibles rather than toys personally and leave that to the other guys that are coming through. Um, and I'll continue to, to buy, you know, little vintage bits and pieces for myself. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's very exciting, mate. I think it's very exciting. I, there can't be enough Star Wars movies, TV shows for me personally, and uh, and just these novelizations seem to be getting better and better as well. You know, we're getting some really great writers. Claudia Gray's fantastic. I'm right up to speed on all this stuff, Man. and they've all been really enjoyable. I even enjoyed the aftermath. Chuck's Chuck's books. I enjoyed them. They were great. Star Wars, man. Who cares? Yeah, I th- I thought the tough first one was through. tough yeah. to get through. Just but you know, and then that, and then parts two and three I thought were, were a challenge strong. Being enjoyable thing, a, you know, a challenge really makes you kind of realize that there's something that you sometimes need to reread something again if you don't. You know, why do I keep going through the same thing? Well, maybe you're supposed to go through the same thing. If it's a, if a book's a challenge, that's a good thing, I think. Well, yeah, I think you're talking. You know. You're talking about sure. Empire Strikes Back and The Last Jedi. These were challenging yeah. at the Love time. It. And well, obviously with The Last Love Jedi, it. it still is. But Empire, for sure, was a, was a challenge mm-hmm. for, for many at mm-hmm. the time. Well, I think in experience, that's what happens. I think in exp- with experience. Um, I mean, my favorite sci-fi movies are movies that um, I still question, what the hell was that about today? And even just a, you know, a month ago, I saw The Shining with my girlfriend, and she pointed out things... I'd never noticed before, and I'd seen that film twenty or thirty times, you know. Um, so I love that. I love that, and I'm still, you know, I watched, I, I watched uh, all eight movies just a week or so ago on a, on a little movie run, and and still those bits and pieces of the Last Jedi. I'm still thinking, what is that reflection scene really about? Where she sees, you know, a thousand yeah. rays. Well, you know, what is that really about? And and I love that. I think it's fascinating. And I, you know, we can't get into the mind of Ryan Johnson and and see what what he was really thinking. So directors' commentary is a wonderful thing. Um, you know, and even then, they don't always reveal everything. 
but I love that. I love to question. I think it's important. And um, more, you know, I think, you know, more of it, please. Just keep it coming, you know? Absolutely. I will take, you know, we, we do talk about when do we want movies to come and how should they do this? Yeah. The more I the think- better for me. I, I, I will take as I, much I as you can what, give me. It will be great for Disney if they can if they can release an episode every week. That'll be great. Um, I think if we get a Star Wars movie every two week two years, that'd be wonderful. I like the hype. I like the theorizing. And you know, it gives us time to to enjoy it at the cinema. You know, half a dozen times, and then wait for the DVD release or the Blu-ray, and then enjoy that. And then next thing you know, we're they're making another one. So I'm loving that. It's just great. It's just great. Well said. Super well said. Uh, Adam, this has been, I think, the most unique episode of Worthy of Recognition that we've had. Like, usually we kind of go through it sequentially. I think the way you've told this story, and that's what you've done. You've kind of told a story about your, your, your entire life, according to Star Wars. What you have done, and it's remarkable, is... You've you've kind of delivered sort of the Empire Strikes Back or Last Jedi of worthy of recognition in that people are going to have to now think back about what you said. What the hell was he about? All right, so he he yeah yeah collecting is it has been a huge part of your life, and of course the meeting all those cast members and the Commonwealth. So it's all there. Like we've we've got your Mount Rushmore well, of Star Wars, but you told it in such a unique and my Mount and, Rushmore uh, of Star Wars really is Mark Hamill, the first hero that wasn't a puppet, i.e. Scott Tracy from Thunderbirds, Shane Rimmer, who sadly died last week. Um I think Mark Hamill's passion for the fans and his love of the franchise and appreciation for them is and the adoration is admirable. Um sure. I sure. think uh John Williams for the main title, simply that. Just simply John Williams for that main title. I don't, I, you know, I don't need any other Star Wars music on a soundtrack. Just that main title. It's just, you, you know, when you hear that first blast, it just hits you. You know, it's like the fanfare for 20th Century Fox. You just think it's going to be a Star Wars film. Um, well, another here's a, here's another interesting one for you, and maybe you can kick this around with with uh, with the guys on your next uh, future Retro Inc. podcast. Should future Star Wars movies, the Benioff and Weiss, the Ryan Johnson stuff, should it carry the same yes. opening theme, yeah. same opening title, yeah. same opening crawl yes. format? Should it, should it carry all that over? Or no, do we want to let these guys should do be there. what they want? It should be there. I think it, I tend you know, to agree. It wouldn't be Star Wars without it. You know, the, the font as well. I think, I, I think, I think as, they, as they go through the exercise of figuring out what Star Wars is and what is, what is essential D, Star Wars DNA... I think the opening crawl, I think that opening title is is a part of it. And I think you I think they'd be Yes. Losing something As a if they designer, took that away. And a, someone who perhaps does branding, once you create a brand, you don't change it. You might change the colour of it, but you keep the brand the same. The way that the font of Star Wars looks with the episode there or the, the title of the series, it's got to be the same. You can change the colour to yellow to red to green doesn't matter it's the branding it's very important it can it can, it can evolve. evolve if you look at any logo any well-known logo over time it changes Quite. but in slight yeah. amounts over time so that when you look at what what this logo looked like 60 years ago versus what it looks like today it's it's different clearly but still identifiable but there's many steps in between yes. those two things absolutely 
absolutely. I, I think that the, the fanfare is just a it's a thing of beauty. That it really is incredible. It's the greatest main title of anything. The Game of Thrones music is comes pretty close, um, but you know, really, it's the greatest fanfare I think of all time. And I can't really put you know all the friends from the VIP group from TSW meetups and the interaction and gratitude of meeting. Andy and Jeremy and yourself and Carlos and Kyle and Mark G and Rob Wade and Rob, you know, I can't put those people all on a, on a Mount Rushmore. There's far too many of them. So, you know, um, it's very difficult to do, but I'd like to put the late great Alec Guinness's face on a Mount Rushmore just for being Obi-Wan Kenobi. He was such a gateway to all, to really the whole galaxy, like the way he recounted that story of who the Jedi were and the Clone Wars, and he, he really wore opened it up in, in he that wore one sequence beautifully. You know, he wore his <laughs> wig with pride. Yeah, absolutely. So, sir, have um, we covered everything? Absolutely. What else is there? I mean, you know, you should love Star Wars. Don't hate other people that don't like what you like, and more vice versa. You know, just it's just a film, dudes. It's just a film. Um, yeah, I mean, it, that, that's, it, it's, a, it's an important distinction because although we obsess over it and we spend not, like, that's our not money and our energy creating that's these things, that's we are, it, but We just, are all yeah, human beings, part of a human race that love and like different things. And, you know, just keep it simple, keep it pleasant, keep it kind, considerate. Compassion is very important. And be, you know, compassionate about other people's passion. You know, like in a lump it, we all love and hate the different things. But, you know, Star Wars is a thing that brings people together. Totally enjoy your celebration if you're going and um, watch those pennies and pounds and dollars. You know, don't spend too much. Don't buy what you can't afford. Always remember how you're going to get it home. That's another thing. How am I going to get this home? Um, so just enjoy that. And, um, yeah. If you're not a Patreon of um, Tumbling Saber, you damn well should be. And you should be listening to Retro Inc. for all things gaming and um, and uh, movies and TV. And, uh, yeah, keep listening to that nerd room, guys. And um, check out the other podcasts on the network because they're all fabulous. They are fabulous yeah i i think we've we've got a good thing going at the commonwealth and adam you guys at retro inc are doing such a wonderful job well we of, keep things light man talking we about things, things light. That we, we don't we don't you do. talk about anything that actually you know there was the whole kind of you know whatever's in the news whether it was this uh the michael jackson documentary we didn't talk about that because everyone's got their opinion on it and you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings everyone we weren't there can't do that you know, if if something's out that you know we 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 watched at the cinema and was like, ah, oh, I didn't really like that. We you know we keep we just say, okay, we didn't really like it. That's it, that's it. We don't we don't go down the dark negative path. We try and keep things very light and and amusing. You know, I get I get the um the old thing ripped out of me from the two, my two co-hosts. They love it. They love pulling me apart. I'm trying to do a professional job, <laughs> and they are like cats try it you know it's like trying to herd cats you know just they're off on one you know it's great it's wonderful we keep it very simple very light not too professional just three nerdy guys talking nerdy stuff absolutely it's a great listen everybody check out the retro podcast and and join their facebook group as well you know you you know you need another facebook group to join so do that 
And otherwise, Adam, uh, I gotta, I gotta thank you for being a powerful friend for your time on this Saturday. It's the middle of the day for you, so I'm gonna let you go now and go on Saturday. Me. But uh, thank be you with so much you and your family in over there in gorgeous Canada. Thank you so, so much. Have a great one. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you later. May the force be with you guys.